champ is here. The champ is here. The champ is here. The champ is here. Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with me. My name is EJ, and I got my man. Hey, mate. Yes, he is the DB of the show, and we are Black in Sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble, here interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom, covering it all, laughing it all, while providing a platform to be heard. So you know how we do. Uh, got to welcome our guest here. So he comes to us, by the way, of Florida. This gator will help you tackle your appetite, a true <laughs> entrepreneur who's always will have you repping your city. Please, please give it up for our man, Zachary King. Let's yes, go. Sir, definitely. Definitely. And I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Absolutely, Zach, man. So we, you know, we don't pull no punches, man. We jump right into it, man. So we have what we call your shoot your shot moment, right? So this is could have been any time in life where you went for it all, bet on yourself. It could have been younger days. It could have been something as current as last week, but just a shoot your shot moment, man. Give us a quick story when you shot your shot. Oh, man. Oh, pretty much that's all I've been doing, man. Either shoot my shot or reinvent myself. I'm just, uh, that's kind of been my, my forte, man. Um, even with, with start, let's just start with sports, for example, man. I, mm-hmm. I didn't really have that, that normal trajectory for a college athlete. I only really played football two years in, in, in high school. Um, and he basically ended up in Florida as a recruited walk-on. Man, I, I was a basketball player by trade, kind of growing okay. up. And, um, one of my, right. uh, yeah, one of my uncles kind of knew somebody in Florida. That's how it kind of happened. So that was kind of the first, first big time me shooting my shot, trying something new. Obviously, being somewhat decent at it and um, going out on a limb and putting myself out there, and you know, it didn't necessarily work out football-wise for me, but you know, it kind of opened up a lot of doors, and it was a great, great, great experience. There you go, man. That's a shoot your shot moment, man. Hey, mate. Yeah. So as you kind of you kind of touched on my question a little bit, but where did your love for sports kind of start? Man, I mean, obviously with Jordan, I think you know, just with the different players. If I had to go back, you know, Jordan, Iverson, Shaq, um, those would I think the the definitely the key people. And I, I grew up in a sports family. You know, my mama had two brothers that played in the NFL. Obviously, I'm a big guy. You know, just just naturally, just love sports. Was grew up in that environment. But to answer your question specifically, I think just seeing those characters, seeing the Jordan, you know, I remember growing up, man, you know, the Bulls come on, you know, no matter what she was doing, everybody was locked in. Um, you know, being 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 from Tampa, you know, only about an hour away from Orlando when I was growing up, that was that huge, you know, Penny and Shaq era. Um, still mad at Nick Anderson for missing the free throws, but, you know, <laughs> just just those type of key players. And, and obviously Iverson with the swag, man, just doing so much for the culture. Um, I think our generation was uh, blessed to see people in sports, but also them evolve as iconic figures outside of sports. Man, true ball player, huh? Yeah. yeah so you, you, you touched on some hoopers, and I know you say you, you, you played football only two years in high school. So what was your hoop game like? What, give me the sky. Yeah, I, I was decent, man. So, so I, I, I out – I mean, I, I – I, you know, how do I say it? I, I overate my basketball position, man. I When I was playing basketball, I was a shooting guard, right? Like, you know – Six four, you know, two hundred ten pounds, right? Like that type of guy. And then eventually, when I got to high school, I just just outgrew my position. The boarding school I went to in Virginia, you know, they recruited for sports, 
um, you know, just in academics and across the board. And it was a situation where, like, you know, you you can't you can't just play center just because you gained 15 pounds, right? Like we got somebody, <laughs> we got somebody who's doing that. Um, so eventually, I got on the football field, man, and just really developed into my body. It was kind of like a given that I was, you know, definitely going to be, you know, some type of football player position. Start out at D line, and then kind of work my way, you know, the offensive line in college. Um, but yeah, man, that, that was my that was my transition from basketball to football, man. Um, kind of how I ended, how it ended up happening. It wasn't it wasn't by choice, man. It was, it was up to me. I still be out there shooting threes, but I just I just I just ate too much of the training table and went from a shooting guard to a defensive end with basically with overnight. We'll, we'll, just, yeah. we'll just call it positionless basketball. That's what they call it now. <laughs> that's what right. I mean, it's, it's, you were ahead of your time, man. You were ahead of your time. That's what I was about to say. I was ahead of my time. I mean, the stuff you see these guys doing now, you know, giving up layups for open threes. I mean, so, yeah, man. But back then, you know, coach wasn't having that. You know, get your ass on the block or get your ass <laughs> on the point. You know, we 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 picking people for that. Uh, hilarious. So in high school, I mean, you talked about two of the sports, but you also you were a three uh, three star athlete, man. So you yeah, I did track. I was I did shot put in discus. I was you know captain. Let's track go. Team. Yeah, I was man. A part so, of that crew. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just, and that's what I, us, that, that's what I kind of liked about our generation, man. Coach would make you do everything. You know, you yes. Was, it was y'all, no y'all weren't doing nothing. Y'all weren't doing nothing, man. Y'all was just kicking it over there. Y'all weren't <laughs> y'all weren't doing nothing. The track uh, we, y'all just chilling. Yeah, and then and we, I would like I said, I went to high school in Virginia, so we actually had indoor and outdoor track. Oh, we actually, okay. we actually ran track two seasons. Um, we had like an indoor facility during the winter, and then obviously spring track. So yeah, man, they wouldn't they wouldn't let nobody get out of shape. So how did that progression like? Or yeah. what was the the deal from going being born in Florida to going to you know boarding school? How so, did that so, so yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where you know, obviously, you know, I grew up, you know, just my mom and I. Um, you know, my father really wasn't a part of my life, and so it was one of those things I always was tried to crave, you know, to get better, like to put myself in a position where there was competition or where there was some type of mentor or guidance. And um, I, one of my cousins actually knew somebody who went to this boarding school. It wasn't military. It wasn't like, you know, you got in trouble or nothing. It really was just a private school that kind of like, you know, what you see now, like, you know, with the Finley preps and the different, the, the Sierra King and these different organizations. Now we was doing that, you know, on the East coast, you know, 20, 30 years ago, right. The Oak Hills, the Mathers schools like that. And so anyway, I just, you know, took a couple of visits, did some sports camps and some summer schools, and it was a perfect fit, man. Um, kind of exactly what I needed, you know, coming from just a situation with just mom and I. Like, what's far away from home? You know, Virginia is a while arrived from Florida. So that, that part I missed as far as being close to my family, man. But it was a life-changing opportunity for me. I, I, I totally enjoyed it. So, I, I mean, we, we can get – we'll get more into your business as we move down the line of the pod, but I'm interested because there's a lot of kids now, as you said, that – Yeah. Um, they, and they go to high school a different place, away from home and things like mm-hmm. that, and they're, they got to kind of take care of their business a little earlier than what – I guess totally. when we were growing up, right? So, yeah. how did that prepare you for entrepreneurship and just kind of running the business yourself? Totally. So, you know, I mean, just being quite frank with you, right, like I think – it prepared me in so many ways, obviously being on my own, right? Just being on my own, far away from home, family not really being able to afford to come visit a lot. So you kind of were forced to grow up fast and do things that maybe people wouldn't have experienced until they went to college. I think that was the first kind of differentiating you know, factor compared to other people my age at that time. I think the other thing too, just being straight up, which is, you know, this school, besides the athletes, there was not a lot of African-American people on campus, right? Like, you know, if you weren't paying, if you weren't playing ball, you know, who can afford $45,000 again tuition, right? So it's either a scholarship or, you know, you got a jump shot or, you know, like, you know, like Big said, you know, you, you got a you jump shot or, you know what I mean? You're so, selling something else. <laughs> right. So that was kind of the mentality. So it made you even adjust to people from all over the world. 
So here I am, 15 years old. You know, my roommate is from France. Um, my junior year, my roommate was from Hong Kong, right? Just being around all these different international people um, who weren't there because of sports. They were there because, you know, their daddy had a bag or they knew it was the best education for them. So I think that was just as far as your know, question with entrepreneurship, just being around diverse groups of people, all cultures at, at a very early age, far away from home, out of my comfort zone. And just understanding, man, like you've you got to reinvent yourself. You've got to you've got to network with everybody because that's how the world works, you know, especially from a financial standpoint. And so another thing, you know, setting the stage early, um, you know, with your limited time, you said you played two years, but you went undefeated in, in high school. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, we we did. We did. We did. Uh, especially I think well, that was a lot. I think my senior season was when we did it. Okay. Uh, it, or if it was, it was definitely like almost like the half of the junior. Yeah, like maybe we lost one game my junior year, I think. But yeah, we had a great team, man. I mean, like in that league, that prep league, that's the same prep league that Chris Long um, went to, Plexico Burris, Chris Perry. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of some other guys. Um, this recent guy, um, CJ Procise. I mean, so that 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 league had a lot of oh. talent, and you right. know, a lot of people from different areas don't really understand, but like it's some ballers in Virginia, you know, like Allen Iverson is from Hampton Roads, you know, Mike Vick, you know, talk about, you know, Jamie Sharp, all these different people. Like, so that it's a lot of talent up there uh, in general, definitely basketball wise. Like when I was in, in, in high school, that was the same time, you know, JJ Reddick was over there in cave spring. Um, you had, you know, James White at Oak Hill, you had uh, Carmelo Anthony, you had big Roy Hibbert at Georgetown prep. These are all people that, you know, was in our league. So, you know, just experience, you know, my high school schedule was like almost like a college schedule. We played people based on ranking. It wasn't just based in your city. You know, one game we might be in New Jersey. We played Blair Academy. Luel Dang was there, Villanueva. Um, you know, so you just great. You really got to see what your game was really a lot, was really about. And, you know, depending on who you play, you know, you could get picked apart or you could put on a show. Um, and the cool thing was because everybody lived there. You know, when we had tournaments, sometimes we wouldn't even be in a tournament. I remember going to a tournament and seeing, um, you know, Raymond Felton, seeing um, Rashad McCann's. We weren't even playing them, but, you know, hell, it wasn't like I could go home to Florida, right? So I'm bored on the weekend. Let's go. Let's go watch a hoop tournament. Even if we're not in it, let's go see what let's see what it's about. So it was a great, great just overall experience for diversity and just really putting yourself with the, the best people in the game. That's awesome. So, so you named a lot of guys from, like, our era. And that's, yeah. That's, that's super I'm dope. 38. So yeah, yeah. I'm mm -hmm. 36, so I, that's, yeah. that's that's the era uh, that I grew up in. Um, it's different now. We didn't have social media like it is now, right? So no. we didn't always know what was going on the other side of the country with who's doing what. You just kind of heard totally. the name. So how did you – I mean, a lot of those guys were playing in your area. Like, did you hear about other people on the West Coast and stuff back then too? Uh, no, and that's, and I, I talk – I just – you know, I, obviously I, I deal with a lot of players right now on the NIL side of things with my different businesses, and, and that's one thing I tell them. I say take advantage of all these things that at your fingertips that, you know, right. we had to fight for or die for. And, I, and no disrespect to anybody playing now – um, but, you know, just the things that are like a, if you were a five star athlete or if you were a parade All-American or McDonald's All-American, the things you had to go through just because there was no social media at your fingertips, mm -hmm. you know, a click of a button, you know, you you really had to put on. It had to be a tournament or somebody had to see you That's or right. you physically had to connect. Are you doctors. making them homemade tapes and right, your homemade <laughs> tapes, sending them out, you know, literally grabbing tapes from coach and, you know, just that whole process. Um, and just expanding people's minds. Like when I did my recruiting visit, I didn't I didn't do any visits on the West Coast. Um, you know, if I would have sent my mom, you know, something like, hey, man, USC recruiting machine. But like, man, what the hell? Like, I can barely go see you in Virginia. You talk about going to California, you know, so like those type of things, just 
the, I tell these guys, man, the world is your oyster, man. Take advantage. And um, just growing up, like, to your point, you know, those things, no disrespect to anybody's game on, on a different coast or a different side, but, you know, it was just very, very niche market where if you weren't yeah. physically there, people didn't see you. Right. And that's why AAU point. was so important, you know, then, and especially then, because that was how people got exposure. So moving into college, man, I mean, Oh, this shit, was fun. Hell, hell of a, uh, <laughs> shot moment, man. Uh, you walked on. Yeah, I did. So long story short, it was kind of a, you know, and it's it's kind of a funny process. So um, I had a coach. Um, his name is Dwayne. This is Florida Gators too, by yeah, the way. So. This is, yeah, Florida Gator, University of Florida, 2002. Uh, Spurrier era was kind of like my initial recruitment process. Um, and I had a, a co coach at Florida named Dwayne Dixon. He was a wide receiver coach. Shout out to Double D. And um, my uncle, you know, knew him and, and his and played actually played with his brother. So it was kind of like, you know, they knew each other. I didn't have much experience. I had great size, you know, great technique, great footwork. But I didn't I didn't have a lot of film under my belt or, or really even a lot of credentials. And so, yeah, man, uh, my uncle connected me with Double D. We worked everything out. And basically, you know, I came on to Florida as a recruited walk on. That's cool. um, and it was, you know, definitely a, a, a crazy college experience, um, you know, crazy. talking about basically three coaches in, in five years. Yeah. I mean, as a recruiter walk on, I mean, that, I mean, there's probably some other options there for you too. Right. So university of Florida's SEC was, there yeah, I mean, I, I had some others. I took, I mean, obviously, you know, Miami was, I was looking at Virginia tech, uh, uh, VMI, uh, Georgia tech, I'm trying to think Alabama, Ole Miss was heavy, you know, so people like that, but in that I, region, I, right. Just heavy yeah, in that after, region, kind of back to what you were talking about earlier. Yeah, after after being at school in Virginia, I definitely wanted to get back to Florida, and my mama mm -hmm. wasn't trying to let me go to Miami because my best friend was there. Uh, <laughs> so it was, and I and I hated Florida State, so it was like, hey man, here we go. We 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 at the University of Florida, and then once um you know everything kind of worked out with Double D and, and everything, it just it just made sense. Love it. So, oh, go ahead, mate. No, go ahead. I mean, that was a, that was an interesting error. Uh, for yes. Florida football, Rex yeah. Grossman quarterback, and so yeah, so that's what I was about to tell you. So when I first got there as a freshman, Rex Grossman was my quarterback, sexy Rexy. Uh, we also Rexy. had you know like Taylor Jacobs at receiver, Ernest Graham yeah. at running back. Yeah. Well, uh, I was even gonna come in. You came in and uh, Chad uh, Crowder was uh, so so Crowder was my class. So that's all he my came class. In with you. That's what I'm saying. He came Crowder, in with you, right? Crowder was, and actually Crowder actually did something uh, crazy. Crowder he hurt his knee in is in college. I mean high school. Towards okay. ACL, his like senior year, so he basically didn't enroll until spring ball. So people don't realize this. Crowder really only had like a year and a half, two years of Florida, and did his thing, got the hell out of there, just because of the injury and because of when he left for the Dolphins. He basically came in in 2003, and by Took spring 2005, <laughs> he was already he was already in the league. Yeah, Crowder came on a mission, man. It's crazy. Crowder and I connected so many different ways. My one of my uncles played with him. Uh, his daddy, the Dolphins. His daddy, Randy okay. Crowder. Um, my other my other uncle played with his his daddy at the Bucks, um, and you know he, he's really basically you know kind of grew up in Tampa. Um, obviously, we were the same class. Both of us light skin, you know, crazy people outspoken. <laughs> Let's go. He's he a crazy than I am. Light skin. Let's go. Yeah, he a little crazy than I am, man. But nah, yeah. Proud of, proud of yeah, he's silly, man. On yeah, that show, man, he be. <laughs> but he's to be honest with you, DJ. He's been like that for twenty years, man. My mama used to. <laughs> My mama used to call him like a little media monkey. She's like, if you you go if you don't make no money playing football, you definitely gonna make some money being broadcasting or just that personality in a lot of ways ahead of his time. He's he was doing that 20 years ago, and I'm glad he's definitely found a lane and doing well. Well, mama called it, boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. He's, he's a real deal, man. And it just is his mama, his crowder's mama's that same way. They are identical twins, right? Like if you put <laughs> you put a wig on on Crowder, like that's his mama. She's outspoken, cuss you out. 
Uh, just some funny stuff, you know. He and he's he's country too. Like people don't really, I don't know how much he's kind of exposed on his shows, man. But he loves hog hunting, fishing. Um, so he's he's really like an outdoor, almost like a a black Tarzan, if you will. <laughs> Once you really get to know him, yeah, man. But um, he, he's Let's funny. I mean, he's been he's been like I remember crowd. I used to take girls out on dates and stuff, and crowd would always give me a hard time. Like Zach, why are you always taking girls out to nice restaurants? And like we in college, we broke. Why are you doing all this stuff? You know. Don't be taking them, taking them out to eat and this and that. So he, he's totally changed, man. I'm glad he settled down and obviously got a family and doing his thing. Let's go. Nah, he still got some stories. He still got some wild stories. Oh, and I got some stories about him. I don't want to put them out there, but I got I got some stories about him, man. That like I say, this man was doing this 20 years ago from just like, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like just the craziest shit. Where I mean, like, go to class with a big snake. Um, you know, like ha- have a little baby alligator in the shower that he found at the lake. Um <laughs> He'll go hog hunting and he'll wrestle the real hog, you know, just like no, you know, like I'm like, what's you? It's like like redneck crazy, just hunting, cr- like it's just crazy type stuff he was on, but just a- always authentically himself, and that's what I would give him, man. And one thing about that, when he got on that football field, he balled out. I remember one game, I think it was Ole Miss, he had 22 tackles. Um, man was just a great student of the game, and a lot of the stuff he was doing from a media standpoint, he he make people laugh and this and that, and he'll mm-hmm. get drunk with you. But Sunday morning, when you're still drunk, he going in that film room and he's studying and oh. he he put on this facade like he was this big crazy person, but he wasn't he's crazy at all, him. man. He he used that to his advantage and um, Crowder actually did this thing, man. Like I said, you know, a great guy and and obviously has transitioned. Talk about reinventing himself and transitioning to a whole nother whole nother bag. Yeah, another name, Ben Troop, uh, was uh, with there. We had him on the show. I don't know okay. if you saw that. Yeah, Ben Troop. I, yeah, Ben Troop. I'm mad at Ben Troop, man. He owed me a pair of sweatpants. I let him borrow some sweatpants. <laughs> you still that gave him. <laughs> you tell Ben Troop, you're not in college when you're borrowing clothes. And... Absolutely. Yeah, it, man. It, but it, now, ben, become yours. Yeah, yeah so we ben, have Ben, ben in uh, season two, episode 15, I believe. Okay, yeah, Ben Troop is, was there. He was our tight end. I remember that uh, that uh, Outback Bowl against Michigan when he, when he jumped over that guy, man. That was the first time people just hopping over people and Troop. Troop did that. Our whole sideline went crazy, but it was it was a great. I mean, I had characters from football. I mean, obviously basketball. We had Joe Kim Noah, Al Horford. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, even David Lee. You know, um, white boy David Lee played for the for the Warriors and Knicks. So they went back to back, right? Yeah, um, David Lee went on that team, but Noah Horford. Those guys went back to back. Oh six, oh seven. I'm oh, trying to think. Um, even 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 uh, uh, swimming wise, like the Olympic swimmer Ryan Locke. Um, during that time, the track team, the track team won uh, some a lot of different titles. Then, um, so yeah, man, just a, a great, great was environment. On, was she Florida, or Florida State? Now I'm, I'm drawing. Who was that? Who? Florida State. Was the state Florida? Uh, what's the what's the girl's name? It was Florida. Was it Florida? Mm-hmm. What was the name, EJ? Uh, Natalie Hines. I believe Florida. I don't, yeah, but don't Florida. Florida. Yeah, it was one of those. All right, man. So. Um, yeah, man. So great experience. Like you said, man, you know, um, football may not worked out, but we want to trans, um, hold on. MH, you had anything else? Nah, man. It just, it just sounds yeah, crazy we, being, uh, being an athlete at university of Florida, man. Yeah. Hold on. You had even the, the transition, right? Like you had Charlie. So that's, what, that's what I'm about to tell y'all. So I, that's basically coaches. It was three coaches in five years. So technically my wow. class was recruited by Spurrier. But then okay. that basically everybody was pretty much a done deal. And then that's when Spurrier jumped ship and went to the Redskins. So when mm-hmm. we got there, our official coach who didn't recruit us was pretty was Ron Zook. Right. And so Ron Zook, you know how it works in college recruiting. We got 20 something players that's technically Spurrier's recruits. His like you look right, at me as a lineman. Guys. I'm tall, you know, lanky. I'm good at pass blocking. Like I'm a typical Spurrier guy. 
you look at you know the people type people Ron Zook was bringing in a lot of screens, traps, you know those type of things. So his linemen were totally different. But long story short, he brought in his own recruits, um, and most of my class, my entire class except for Seattle Faison and one other guy got got redshirted. And so basically, that O two class and that O three class were all basically combined. That O three class is Andre Call, Andre Caldwell. Shout out to Bubba, uh, Chad Jackson, sure. D Webb. You know, that was that all that uh, 03 class, which was super stock. You know, with they had like, you know, damn near 10 all, uh, parade all Americans on that class, Chris Leak. Um, and so, anyway, that was that class. And then Zook did his thing for like two and a half years. He got fired. And then here comes Urban Meyer, you know, with the Tebow class, the Pouncey brothers, Aaron Hernandez, that whole class. And they passed up Charlie Strong. Was it something that Charlie yeah. Strong was ready or was it just one of those things? Oh, man. I mean, we, it's, it's black in sports. So, you know, we got to go black, man. I just think I need to be honest with you transparently. Um, I can't call it another way. I just don't even know if University of Florida was ready for a black head coach there. I'll be honest with you. Charlie Strong is one of the most genius defensive coordinators I've ever been around and just a great That's guy cool. and a great person, man. You're talking about a hell of a motivator. I mean, I don't care what you're going through. Charlie slapped you on your ass on the way to practice. You know, he he got to cuss you out. Whatever you got to do to get it out of you, Charlie's amazing. Um, and obviously, I'm excited Charlie. to see where I, where he is. I know he was in Jacksonville last with Urban. And I'm not, I don't think is he is he back at Alabama? I don't know. He's gone so many different places. I don't know where Charlie is now. Yeah, is he in Miami? In I think he's Miami. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So they they yep. got him a good one, man. But uh, to answer your question, I just think. You know, I think that was what it was. But you know, if I was if I was Jeremy Foley, who was the athletic director then, after Urban Meyer, I would have gone straight to straight to Charlie Strong. But you know, did you see Coach without a turtleneck? Charlie Strong, yeah, yeah. You know that Florida that Florida heat. You know, you you get it out <laughs> you, man. Yeah, he he tried to wear that to look cute, man. But when it's when it's uh, ninety degrees with hundred percent humidity, yeah, you <laughs> got to take that of, thing off. It took the turtleneck off. Boy, yeah, I ain't, seen, I ain't never seen Coach without a turtleneck. Yeah, he got that. Dirt. Yeah, he had to take it. But um, but yeah, man, Charlie Charlie's a dope dude, man, and, and a great defensive mind. I mean, I'm excited to see what they do in Miami. I really feel, um, you know, Miami's gonna do something special. I got a couple guys down there, like you know, that, that I rap with that's on the team. My uh, big John Campbell, shout out to him. Uh, Xavier Restrepo, if I'm messing up your last name, Zabo, forgive me. But yeah, the quarterback, a lot of people down. I think I think Miami's on the right time, and, and they're getting doing things to get the culture, you know, bringing those old greats back to the school, the Ed Reed, yeah. the Warren South. It's a big one, yeah, yeah, and getting and making making that bringing that swagger back. I hope so, man. That's that's definitely one of my teams down there. Yeah, man. I'd love to go see them at least annually. All right, man. So, uh, we want to jump into the career, man. We call this in the game. Uh, this is what we're sure. going to talk about what the transition was. So, man, let's just talk about like you're a businessman, as Jay Z. Yeah, was yeah that's, one of, that's, <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines, man. So, you know, I, I can kind of let, let me just start you kind of like, you know, in, in chronological order, right? So, obviously, football, obviously, football wasn't working out, right? Like, you mm -hmm. know, three different coaches. We went eight and five. Hell, we didn't even have no lineman drafted, right? So, obviously, the handwriting's on the wall. Um, I had a best friend um, who I'm still in business with at the time. His father was into food court, you know, franchising or food court licensing or food court restaurants inside malls. And my family um, was had our whole life has been in the restaurant business, whether it's, you know, barbecue restaurants, fried chicken, soul food. And so my best friend's dad approached me, you know, my senior year of college and was like, look, man, you know, you get ready to graduate. I know you ain't got no job. You know, you're not going to the league. So what is it? What is your plan? Right. Because mm -hmm. I know your mama as well as I think I know your ass better have a job. So I was you like, well, come back home, nigga. yeah, you, you definitely write about you definitely write about Bernadine King. Your ass has to have a job. And so I said, OK, well, perfect. You know, what do you have in mind? I mean, obviously, you're this huge restaurant tour. You know, he probably had like 400 restaurants nationwide, mostly Asian, teppanyaki, um, sushi restaurants inside the food court. 
And anybody in the food court will tell you it's just like the neighborhood. I'm trying to own every house on the block, right? Mm -hmm. Even if one house is not as successful or has the best real estate, I'm still the landlord. And so he's like, well, look, I got an idea. We can take your grandfather's chicken recipe, put it with a fast, casual, um, you know, quick service, basically restaurant and see how it goes. You know, it's not a soul food, but it's almost just like mama's cooking, but just fast food, quick service. Similar mm -hmm. to Raising Cane's, Zaxby's, that type of deal. So the name of the concept was is, is called Chicken Now. Uh, we opened up in 2007. Our first store was in Orlando, Florida. Um, it was at that prime outlet mall, um, tourist now, uh, mall. Really quick. So yeah, with that, is that a franchise or is that a fully, did you name it, you created or? Yeah, so no, so we, this is something we started completely from the ground up. I mean, okay. everything from the kitchen sink to the sauces to the recipe is our creation. Okay. We, we technically don't operate as a franchise, we operate as a license. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have a, we don't have a, like a franchise fee or agreement, but we basically co-own all of these different units. That's how we were able to grow so quickly and move. Because a lot of times when you're trying to franchise, you know, you got to get all that stuff approved, the timing and just our growth, our growth. We just went like when we first opened and we opened up 20 stores in one year. But long story short, it was just you know, like mama's cooking, fried chicken, tenders, Kool-Aid, macaroni, cheese, you know, stuff that I can make at your house, comfort food. And so the first store was in Orlando. Um, we did well, tourist market, and then from then we kind of used that model and scaled from in 2007 to basically 2009 was about 20 units that were open. Obviously, we had no idea recession was coming. You know, we had no idea online shopping was getting ready to take off. Um, but that was kind of my first business, you know, of for a first life, you know, stepping into entrepreneurship fresh out of college. You know, 23 years old, you know, hiring people older than me, you know, you know, working, working seven days a week, right? Just the whole nine and just the, the grind of being an owner and a young owner making mistakes and learning on the go, but not, not being able to, you know, really tell my people, honestly, like, hell, I didn't, a lot of times I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was learning on the fly. That's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I mean, I did that for about seven years. Um, we grew that concept to 56 units nationwide, even stores in Puerto Rico. Um, we even did a licensing agreement in Dubai. Um, you know, so we grew the concept, but I mean, the concept kind of just kind of, it was still some locations open. And there's still one even, even in Las Vegas open at the Las Vegas South Mall. But it's one of those things people are not shopping in the malls like they used to. You know, like how we would grow up, even if we were broke, we just walk around the mall and hang out and, like my mama said one time, we ain't buying nothing. We just sampling. Just keep just keep sampling until you get full, right? Just that was, you know, just keep going around and grab. You know that that was our culture. You know, just to hang out, go meet girls, go just look at clothes that we couldn't afford. But now, you know, people can online shop and window shop. You know, if you broke, you don't have to be embarrassed walking the mall and not buy nothing. You can just go on Amazon and just stay on there until you find something that you can't afford. So right. that that was kind of the deal. Um, but we still have stores that are still open and doing well. Um, but I think maybe out of the 55 that we had open at one time, maybe only 18 are still open now. And obviously with pandemic, you know, that put a huge hurt, you know, hurt on a lot of stores and owners and not just me, people across the nation. Gotcha. So how do you, how did that transition go for you? Right. Cause like, this is one of the things that we definitely talk to like a lot right. of athletes on all different levels. Right. And, and MH and myself have definitely experienced it on different levels. Right. So yep. how was that trend? Like, it's great that you had that mentor, that friend, but how was that transition for you? Okay, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay, so the first thing is, you know, it's, it's hard as hell. Hard <laughs> as hell, tough as hell. You can have a mentor, but, you know, I was the one working 90 hours a week with my feet hurt frying chicken, right? You know, he was driving his Bentley, and, you know, he already $30 million up, right? So you can have mentors, you can have guidance, but you have to do the work. So as far as how, how was it, hard as hell. 
it also was re rewarding when you saw something come from nothing and now you got a two million dollar store that's that's you know that's killing it right and it, and it weren't all successes right you see so you have a lot of losses um especially when you know you're putting your own money up you know that 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 whole business that whole model we were we, we didn't have funding you know people tell you banks don't loan restaurants monies i mean the restaurant is the number one failing business in, in america right so it's, it's high risk high reward it's a lot of blood sweat and tears and like i said for me you know i was 23 years old training people learning on the go you know i was a hard worker but it was, the the adjustment was very tough um but the reward you know at 23 years old i'm my own boss you know i remember when i first started my i had like probably 70 homeboys in the league you know they laughing at me they showing up to my restaurant escalate oh you back there mopping the floors and you know you back there you know blood washing the dishes and things like that but to any true owner will tell you, man, you can't be an absentee owner. You got to get your hands dirty. And by me being there, I was able to see things, interact with customers, you know, get see if people finish their food. How did they like it? Did they come back? You know, really get authentic feedback, you know, way before like a Yelp review or something like that. You know, that's those things are not really authentic. And by the time you see something on Yelp, hell, that person already either done loved your business and left or hated your business and bad mouthed you. So from a restaurant standpoint, man, uh it, it was tough reinventing myself hard as hell but at the same time very rewarding and even those skill sets that i learned in the restaurant game propelled me for all the stuff that i've been doing lately and mm -hmm. even the connections because nice. people got to see me firsthand they're like man you know i'm gonna fuck with this guy because i see him working you know even even if he doesn't really know what he's doing with this other entity i know he's a hard worker i know he's honest i know he's dedicated and those skill sets are interchangeable throughout any business and, and definitely sports that's what you learn in sports hard work Absolutely. dedication being on time dealing with adversity um you know so all kind of challenges <laughs> coming back from setback coming back from injury it's, it's no different in business and um there's a lot of these guys who are trying to transition into that life if they can just hone in on the things that made them successful on the mm -hmm. field or on the court right i mean you, you got a winner that and that's the shit i want i mean that's that's big time shit because you touched on it about what you pulled from the sports, but the mental star stuff that we don't really talk about. Obviously, you got a lot of homeboys and people in the league mm -hmm. doing something, and everybody's dream is to get there, but you're doing something else. How did you get through it mentally? Um, you know, I knew I always wanted to be successful, and I think, um, you know, it, it's, it's good and bad because a lot of times, you know, as, as especially as black people, we ain't patient, right? We, we ain't patient. I we, we, we want a quick fix, or we, we, we want to be the man right away. So I think that was something that was frustrating for me that I had to realize. Like, I had the skill set. I had all the tools. But mm -hmm. just understanding that nothing is going to happen overnight. And you, know, look, right. you, look at, like, you look at DJ Khaled, right? He ain't really pop off till he was 40 years old. You know, you look at these different people, right? And nobody wants to hear that story. Now, everybody wants to be DJ Khaled now in the Maybach. <laughs> but, you know, when he was just, you know, making mixtapes, right, you know, 15, 20 years ago, people don't want to go through that process. But that process is what man. propels you. So I think, you know, to answer your question, I think those are the skill sets I pulled from it. And I just knew I wanted to be successful. And I think at an early age, I saw other people from different cultures getting money that some were black, some weren't. But I saw another route. So I'll give you an example. Like my homeboy that I told you I started a business with, a chicken business. There's an area in Tampa, Florida, exclusive neighborhood called Avala. So my homeboy lived in that neighborhood. And Warren Sapp lived in that neighborhood. And Warren Sapp, you know, he pulled up in his SL. He had a, a license plate that said QB killer. You know, he pulled up, he pulled up to the guardhouse, ignorant, you know, car smell like weed, that bands, that bit system bumping. 
And as a black man, I'm like, damn, this is who I want to be. And then I get to the neighborhood and, you know, I go to my homeboy's house and I say, well, shit, let's ride by Sap's house. And then my homeboy got a bigger house than Sap. <laughs> so it, it made me realize, like, mm. you know, love Sap to death, you know, Hall of Famer, huge respect for him. But I just saw different people in different avenues of life and different cultures getting money. And it it just made me realize that there was another route. Um, so with um, so you started chicken, I mean, but there are other restaurants that you have, right? Like, so yeah, let's, let's transition into like what were some of the other cuisines you dabbled yeah, in? Yeah, so right school? now, the main one that I'm kind of focusing on is, is a restaurant called Kubani Dodd, 1885. Yeah, me and EJ of every any there, and then I gotta, I gotta definitely get y'all boys out there at the new spot. But long story short, I mean, my whole restaurant group and is like me, they're from Florida. You know, you go back home, it's a Cuban spot on every corner, right? And everybody got their own little croquetas or maduros or whatever they got. And so when we got to Vegas, we just realized, man, like this, there's a ton of great Mexican food, but there was really no other Latino cultures, food being highly represented on an upscale, um, you know, authentic level. So we opened up our first spot in 2019, right over here by my office in Summerlin. Um, it's right on Fort Apache and Twain. And, um, you know, we did well, pretty much, you know, 1,200 square feet. You know, we have some authentic dishes, but primarily a sandwich shop, you know, with some other key items. You know, we got to have the lechon. You got to have the, you know, oh, ropa vieja, <laughs> stuff like that. And so we did well, man. We opened up, like we say, opened up. had no idea a pandemic was coming. Um, we opened up in 2019. Um, we've had great Yelp reviews. Obviously, you know, we've done well. And our, our business has pretty much scaled 20% each year we've been open. Um, and we got a lot of people, more importantly, saying, look, man, I'm driving from Henderson to come get this food. Y'all got to open up on by my side of town. Y'all got to come over here. And um, we have a chef, Chef Dennis Martinez. Shout out to him. He is uh, originally from Cuba. We recruited him to join our team um, in 2018. He was from Miami, brought his whole family out. He's got a great culinary background. And so we got this other spot in Henderson that's about 3,000 square feet that can kind of let chef um, do his thing, and then it has a space where you can kind of show off his skill set. Um, he's, like I say, trained him. He trained in Venezuela, trained in Peru, so he, he can do a lot of different cuisines. And um, that's just what we're seeing, the feedback from the people that, man, they just love the food, and it's just like mama's cooking. It's nothing preserved or nothing, you know, prepackaged. Everything is like, hey, I can take all my pots and all my stuff to EJ's house, and it's going to taste just like it does at the restaurant, just like mama cooked it. Um, and we're trying to provide customers with an upscale experience well, you don't have to spend 150 dollars to take your family out. You know, you can take four people, you need to take fifty dollars, and you can eat good and be full and be satisfied. But yet, you know, we're serving you on on real china. We're serving you with real utensils. Nothing is, you know, paper or plastic. And you can actually go there and shake the chef's hand. You know, like mm. you know, maybe you ain't got the money to go to Cipriani's. Maybe you ain't the money to got to go to Carbone. But you can you can go to my restaurant and, and chef will be there, and you can you can be treated like family. So sorry if I missed this. How did you get from, from Florida all to, to, to Vegas? So so this is a great question. And then I tell people this, man. Um, this is this is a great story and it's also a great lesson for entrepreneurs listening. We came to Vegas, being just straight up with you, we were running. You know, we opened up a chicken restaurant and we were running away from competition. I, I don't know what my partners will tell you, but that's my take on it. You know, we came to Vegas. We obviously Vegas is great for businesses great for LLCs, but we were scared of Chick-fil-A. We were scared of Popeyes. We were scared of Raising Canes. So we moved to Vegas because at that time in 2007, though those concepts weren't here, right? Raising Canes, it was, I think it was one Raising Canes, but did nothing like the following they have now. And that's like a total tidal wave that they have now. 
So our logic was, okay, Raising Cane's is on the street. Yeah, it might be one here, but we're inside the malls. And so we did a huge West Coast run. And we had stores all over the nation. But like I said, our lane was inside malls, inside tourist outlets. That was kind of our bag. And so we said, hey, let's go out here. Great LLC options for Vegas. Um, great location, you know, to live. You know, at that time, it was a lot cheaper because the living was down, right? But that was, that was our angle coming to Vegas. And so, so the lesson I learned, and I, the reason I want to share this with entrepreneurs is, man, don't run from competition. Because when you run from competition, you run from education and customer awareness. If I'm in Atlanta, downtown Atlanta, and it's Popeye's, Chick-fil-A, Raising Cane's, Guthrie's, Zaxby's, and let's say I open up my chicken spot, what is the common fact? I know everybody in this motherfucker eat chicken. So now all I got to do is either keep my product consistent, and one day you're going to give me a shot. One day that Chick-fil-A line going to be long. One day that Zaxby's person going to mess up your order. One day somebody at Chick-fil-A ain't going to say my pleasure. And then that's when you're going to be like, you know what? Let me give Big Zach a shot because he sell Kool-Aid. He sell homemade macaroni and cheese and banana pudding. And they ain't got that at Chick-fil-A. And I don't have to re-educate that customer. So I learned that the hard way. Like my stores in Seattle, they, they told me my sweet tea was too sweet. You know, when I opened up my store in Syracuse, New York, they, at Carousel Mall, they told me that my Texas toast was French toast. You know? <laughs> So it's like now it's not even about who whose taste. Now we're not even talking about taste. We're not even talking about a product. We're talking about an education. You don't know what sweet tea supposed tea to taste like. <laughs> right. Right. We're not even arguing about whose tea is better or if I use Lipton or if it doesn't even matter. My recipe, you don't even know what sweet tea supposed to taste like. Or if you, we're not even arguing about the toast. Mm. You, you think it's French toast. So educating a customer, <laughs> educating a customer is the hardest part of a business. So right. if any of these entrepreneurs out here on the call, man, say, hey, I got an idea. I want to start something, man, go with your move, go with what you know and go with what the market needs. You know, you get, I mean, definitely be creative and be authentic in your approach, but all this reinventing the wheel shit, man. Like, you know, if, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Mm. And, and if you, can, you can look at it. You can, you can, don't believe me. Go look at where Popeye's headquarters is. Go look what Chick-fil-A headquarters is. Yeah. Go look Go look what Raising Cane's did, the owner Todd Gray from Baton Rouge. He, he got his whole neighborhood on lock. Now, if you want to open up a Raising Cane's in Cincinnati, you be the fool. You franchise it. But Todd Gray's, <laughs> Todd Gray's ain't leaving Baton Rouge, right? Like, I, I got this shit on lock. I'm dancing with an LSU every weekend. You know, if y'all want to open up in Cincinnati, hey, man, God bless you. Just pay me my royalty fee. But I'm not, I'm not leaving this. Why would I leave That's home great. field advantage? Wow. Love that, man. So anyway, that's just a, you know, just, just apply that for everything, man, because yeah, educating is. a customer is tough. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's impossible because eventually, you know, like, like, like look at what Uber did, right? There are, there are business models where, you know, it's, it's time and, and, and the people are demanding a change, but some, some things are just like, man, that, that education process is going to take too long. And if you're going to do it, just understand it's going to be a high dollar, high risk in, investment. Absolutely, boy. My uh, mom's is my mom's is educating everybody on sweet tea. Every time, yeah. golly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, we, I never heard a complaint back home. It was too sweet. I mean, it yeah. never, it never could be too sweet. <laughs> or like yeah, little yeah. things, you know. Like I had, I was the one of the first restaurants that had a national contract with Kool Aid Crab. So basically, this this how it happened in my restaurant. One of my girls used to come to my restaurant, Lando. Like, hey, man. I, I, the days I don't come here, no offense, Zach, but the days I don't, I come here, I, I forget my Kool-Aid. I'm like, so you don't come here because we don't have Kool-Aid? And I was like, shit, that's an easy fix. Tomorrow we'll have Kool-Aid. 
So we have Kool-Aid. I got Kool-Aid rolled in all 56 stores. I ended up getting a national contract with Kraft. That's the person who makes who makes Kool-Aid. And, you know, customers asking, what flavor is the Kool-Aid? Red. Like, <laughs> this, this is what it is, right? This thing is red Kool-Aid. Like, it's, it's so simple. But back to that, that back to that educational process. You know, right. if I was in Tampa, Florida, selling Tropical Punch red Kool-Aid, nobody would ever ask me what flavor this is, man. Like, you know what this is, bro. Like, you get your chicken, you get your Kool-Aid. You know, you yeah, suggest that's that, right? right. So right. just that, that education, man, is just key. It may shut up with the quick hits. You uh, is that, you ever been starstruck? <sighs> man, female-wise, yes. A lot of, <laughs> female-wise, female-wise, yes. I remember one time I was in Miami. I was at Club Privé uh, with my same Asian homeboy that I've been in business with. Man, I think it was his 21st birthday, and I'll never forget Katie Albert was in the club. She was in there. I don't want to put nobody under the bus, but she was in there with Dwight Freeney. <laughs> and man, you know, I was at this table that I had no business affording to be at. Anyway, thank you, thank you for my Asian homeboy for getting a tab that night. But <laughs> I was, I was a place. I looked good, like I looked like I should be there, but I couldn't afford to be there. Man, she, she was in the club, and she was just it wasn't like pre-vay. I don't know if y'all been to Miami, been that club, but how they had it at Opium, it was just like real intimate and sexy. Like you didn't even everything was pretty much VIP. So once right. you got in pre-vay, you didn't really even have to have a table. You needed a table, but you could kind of just be in there just bouncing around and it was nothing but just people in there right and uh so anyway she was in there and i just took my shot and you know i just i just was thought i said man look i don't even know what to say i just you know off your drink and that's it man and you know she probably i know she don't remember me but that was probably the only time i was starstruck man um growing up as a kid and i was underage i think i was maybe 18 at that time you know in a, in a, obviously 21 and up club but yeah man good times back in the day in miami man and then another time i've been starstruck from a guy standpoint i will say this uh, I'm a huge car buff, and I love cars. Man, anybody tell you, I've, I've cars is cars, shoes, and clothes has been my my poor investments. And um, I remember I was standing in front of Club Bed in Miami. There was another guy, asshole guy at the door. He wouldn't let nobody in. His name was Manny. This dude <laughs> turned everybody down. I seen him deny Fabulous. I seen him deny Buster Rhymes. Damn. Like you know, Fab, you got on a long tee, you can't get. I'm like crazy. <laughs> that one night, I saw Allen Iverson pull up. And the reason I was starstruck, he pulled up in seven Bentleys with Virginia plates. And it was just that mentality where just like, you know, I mean, I, I'm from the streets. So I kind of just know like just the mentality. Like, look, I just not only is it seven Bentleys, but this ain't no rental. You know, this is I'm from Virginia. You know, I'm from Virginia. These all got VA plates on. I'm like, you know what this is. Yeah. And that was and then, you know, I'm. it's just he hop out. You know, he's you know, he got his braids, come to the bags, little drag on white tee. You know, and they they let our AI in that motherfucker. They didn't care what he had. They want that smoke. <laughs> they didn't want that smoke, man. And, and, he had every, and, and then when no and when nobody with him played basketball, everybody was from the streets. <laughs> AI was the only hooper that night with them seven minutes. Like everybody else, you know, they ain't play no ball. So he could have gone. He could have gone so far left so quick. And so that was that was a guy moment where I was starstruck, man. Just being a kid out there, nineteen years old, and you're like, who the fuck is this, right? Like you just see seven Bentleys pull up. I mean, I'm matching same car. It was like seven identical cars. And then I'm like, this Monday. And I saw him hit, pop out. You know, that you don't even believe it's him, right? And you see the right. Virginia place, like, God damn, man. It's just like one of them paid in full moments, you know, where you just sit there and get stuff. AI was the real deal, man. All right, two, two more, two more yep. real quick ones. All right, uh, movie that you quote the most. Oh, man, you got some, some good ones in Mage. Boy, you on some shit. Um, I think Donnie Brasco, for sure. 
Um, yeah, man, I'm big on like loyalty, you know, the betrayal, you know, all those type of things. There's a lot of life lessons in that movie. And um, the another one, I mean, obviously, American Gangster, I quote a lot. A lot of gangster movies I like. And my mom always give me a hard time. She's like, you ain't no thug. You ain't no gangster. Why you keep quoting this shit? And I was like, you know what, mama? It's, it's the life lessons in it. You know, so you don't have to. If you can just take something, and even though it may be negative or criminalistic or whatever, but you're applying it to something positive. Because all these guys were brilliant, you know, in their own right, right? And they just obviously chose an illegal route. But if they could have, you know, changed that same mindset with something positive, I mean, they could have run Fortune 500 companies, let's be honest. So I think Donnie Brasco and for sure uh, American Gangster. If I had to pick a third one, oh, man, New, New Jack City, too. I mean, that's, that was obviously yeah. – I watched that last night. So that's, that's probably my third one. Let's go. All right. And if you could have, a, let's say, a top four, we'll call it route rush. I don't even know if they score on there. But – uh, a Florida football players, who would that be? University top, of Florida. Top floor of Florida football players. So the first one, I obviously would do Emmitt Smith. Mm. Um, I would do Javon Curse. Okay. The I would do – I'm, I'm going to do another running back, Fred Taylor. Yes, sir. Yes. And then I'm going to do – and in my class and everybody else going to be mad, but I'm going to do Percy Harvey. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do Percy I ain't, mad, I ain't I, mad at it. I'm I ain't mad at it at and, all. And the the reason I do Percy, man, is because somebody who could literally change the game, you know, oh, just within within seconds. You know, he was those, he was those people. I was getting my degree when he was coming into school, but he was just one of those people where you could see he was special, man. Even as a freshman, this is new. Like when somebody got it, um, and another one from Virginia, you know, came down there. Hey, I ain't playing with y'all. I ain't from here. Y'all know what it is. You know, maybe maybe y'all ain't been to VA, but I'm about to show y'all, like you know, how this shit go down. And so just a, just a totally. Just a monster. And, you know, obviously running back, receiver, return yeah. specialist, so many different things in his, in his bag. Yeah, whatever we think of Debo and Ty Hill, that's what Percy Harvin was. Yeah, and, yeah, Debo's another one that's, that's special, man. Shout out to Debo, yeah. man. It's, just a, it's like we talk about those game-changing, electrifying people that the, the game is not over with, with them on the field. Facts. All right, man. So that was quick hits. We're going to jump into the winner's circle, man. So okay. um, this worked out perfectly, man. So I want to start off the winner's circle with – you know, we talked about the food acumen, right? And I know mm -hmm. you do some other things. So, but uh, let's talk about that hat you're wearing, man. And let's talk about your other company. Residency. For sure. So, so yeah. So, I'm definitely residency. Um, you know, it's a company that started in 2019 with with two other buddies of mine, and actually one of those guys, the co-founders. 2019 was your year, by the way. Yeah, man. I went. I, we talk about going all in, and, and we can touch on that after I kind of do the winner circle as to how how we got to this situation. Right. Um. But long story short, 2019 started residency. Right now, we're in 11 different markets. Um, you know, first three markets were L.A., San Fran uh, and uh, Vegas. Um, and pretty much it was all about representing your residency. Right. You know, just wherever you from local joker. Hey, you know, you, you proud to be where you from or proud to be where you're living now. We want to give you an option. Prior to us, we felt the only really affiliation you could do with the city was a sports team. So you might be from New York, but shit, your team might be the, you know, Philadelphia Eagles. Your team might be the, you know, Atlanta Falcons. But you're forced to wear a, a Yankee hat or forced to wear a Mets or a Jets hat. And so our option was creating logos that are completely different, fresh look, we own, and giving people another option and not even affiliated with sports if you don't want it to be, right? Okay. You, just, you just love Vegas and you just want a Vegas hat. And, you know, growing up, only really hats that we saw like this were either at the corner store or at the airport, and they really weren't of quality and they really didn't have anything. It just looked kind of tacky, cheap. It looked like something bobo, you know, so that's kind of why people went back to the sports route. And so I've always been fashionable. Like I said, love sports icons and kind of what they did to change the culture. Um, like we talk about AI, you know, people like that. And so long story short, one of my buddies who's the co-founder of Residency, he reached out to me and said, man, like I got an idea. 
Um, you know, obviously, you know, you, you, you've been in the restaurant business, you know, business, but obviously he knew retail and he knew fashion. And I said, man, well, look, you know, motherfuckers call me every day with stuff. I said, man, you got to come with a product. You come with something that, that you have finalized and I, I can put it in people's hands. I can get the product seen. I can I can make it pop. That's and I'm going to work my ass off to, to ensure that. But I, I, you know, I don't, what I know, all I know is how to buy shit. I don't, I'm a consumer. I don't, I don't know how to design nothing. I'm not a, I don't know the fit. I don't know the fabric, the stitch count. You know, you, those are things you got to come up with. So he came with a product and he took me up on my offer and kind of the rest has been history, man. And as so far as how we've grown. So with that, was the ultimate key putting it in athletes' um, hands? Because so, like, so you know, this is this, athletes are this is yeah. So, so my marketing strategy, long story short, is I treat it. it, it, it I treat my business almost like a, a spider web in a way to force people's hands. And so that the intent to answer your question, the brand mission is to make people feel proud about their residency. I completely, I'm I never change from the right. Whether you're a local joker or whether you're a you know, $100 million athlete, I want you to feel proud about your city. But let's be honest, right? A lot of times the way people shop is if they're not, they not shopping or buying unless somebody cool is rocking it, right? Or unless somebody they look up to or somebody who's their neighborhood hero or somebody from their hometown. So long story short, you know, getting eyes on your product and visibility um, has kind of been my marketing approach, no matter whether it's athletes or not. Now, obviously, you know, we, the United States, America, I mean, we love sports, we love football, we, you know, we, we, we die for our sports. So that is a huge aspect of life. Um, but what I've always tried to do, you know, it's just those sports players a lot of times trump those other people. Uh, unfortunately, that's the way it is. But basically, just get my hats in as many people's hands as possible that have eyes on them. So if you, you know, you run a podcast, EJ, right? I got you wearing my hat. You know, if you're a top DJ, yeah, I got you. I, I'm trying to infiltrate every aspect of society and make people feel like, hey, you know, I could be a local joker and I'm not Darren Waller, but I'm wearing the same hat Darren Waller's wearing. I'm not Derek Carr, but I'm wearing, you know, or like you, you know, you wear Pro Bowl, you were next to Floyd. You know, Floyd, Floyd saw you with my hat on. The other two weeks after that, you were next to Shaq. So do I have Shaq and Floyd in a hat? No, but I got two pictures with EJ standing next to Florida and Shaq. So it's just like eyes on products. And, you know, and before you did wore that hat with flat, uh, wore that hat next to Floyd, two nights before that, my boy, homeboy Jocks was sitting courtside next to Floyd watching LeBron. So it's just like, you know, that spider web of getting eyes on product. And so if I ever sent a hat to LeBron, he'd be like, man, I've seen three, four people with that same product on. Like you have that credibility and you have that stamp. So did you get it on 50? I know he's one of your posts. You have man, I, I came to 50. I came to 50, man. Get rich or die trying mentality. I, it was a long shot. I do a lot of Hail Marys, man. That's one thing that we can talk about, too. But I do a lot of Hail Marys. You, you, every, like Kobe said, you miss all the shots you don't take, right? So, like, might be a long shot. But um, now I put up on 50. 50 had an event here. And I said, man, look, this is my situation. This is how much I made. This is what I'm planning to do this year. And, and I want you to fuck with. I want you to be down with. If it makes sense, call me. If not, hey, ain't no hard feelings. But you, you know, I, I, I it's one of those ideas. So I haven't heard back from Fifty yet. But back to the same marketing strategy. You know, you get Fifty, you get Power, you get BML. You know, you get you get Branson Cognac. You get you get all these different entities that, even if Fifty don't wear the hat, you know, it's somehow you're in his organization. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So basically, back to rest of like 2019, 11 markets. Um, it's all about representing your city, man. And uh, like I said, I, I I just can't thank everybody enough who's been a supporter and rock with us. 
Um, and we're going to keep putting out quality product. We plan to launch about three more cities this year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we're growing slow and organically, right? It's nothing like, you know, we're not trying to do every city right away. Um, coming out of pandemic, you know, you got to be careful with logistics and supply chain and all those different type of things because you are dealing with fabrics and embroiderers and tariffs. But yeah, man, that's that's kind of been the goal. We also getting ready to get into some home goods and some different things like to play off yeah. of that residency pitch. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. How do you get the feel of the uh, each market? Because I feel like each hat kind of resonates with the city. You know so what that, I mean? So yeah. What, what's, so what's that's so so that? that's the how we break it down is you know we we number one we try to do something different, right? So you might say this hat I'm wearing right now, San Francisco, right? So you may you may be a San Francisco fan. I'm gonna hit you with a certain colorway. I'm going to hit you with a fresh logo. You might be tired of looking at the traditional SF. Um, obviously, you know, kind of giving you a little bit of marketing, you know, strategy of how I how I go about getting these the the eyes on eyes on hats. Um, but yeah, we try to be authentic to that city. Um, I don't, I'm not perfect. I don't always hit it out the part. So you know, I mean, some places I, I'm not from, so I don't know. So I lean on people like, hey man, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? But what we try to do is just make people feel comfortable about buying our product and try to align with things that mean something to them. So all of our hats have a name and that's the, so we play off of that residency model. So it's residency. Um, then we say, okay, this is a San Francisco style hat, but this hat is called the Bay. One of our famous San Fran's hat was called a candlestick. So I'm playing off of locations and people have an affection for that. And there's like your favorite movie. And you ask me, you my favorite, my favorite athletes, people have an affection for where they're from and the different, even you break it down even further. Like, you know, I ain't, if you ask somebody from LA, they're gonna tell you, they ain't gonna say I'm from LA. They're gonna say, if they really know LA, they're gonna say where, exactly what's said in one hood, right? So it's the same type of thing, man. We just, you know, we break down certain streets, certain landmarks. And the goal is for people to go to those landmarks. Maybe you go to Golden Gate and you take a picture in front of the Golden Gate and you Golden Gate hat or, you know, Candlestick Park, you know, where the 49ers used to play, they took down, they tore down. But hey, now this is a piece of history, a moment in time. Love it. Well, hey, man. Time is flying when you're having fun, man. So one thing we like to jump to is, man, uh, we we have this moment where you can share wisdom, even though you've been parting wisdom, especially for entrepreneurs. But we like to call this part the assist. This is where you can give a coaching gym or, you know, some, a quote you live by or maybe something that uh, that you would tell your younger self. So give us a quick quote. Um, okay. I, 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 you, I'm just going to say it, man, is start, start sooner start sooner i tell people especially as black people black entrepreneurs we're trained to be scared to not take shots to not take risks well what if this happened what if that happened what if you get fired what hey who gives a fuck start sooner you know i, I started my entrepreneurial career at 23. i mean a lot of people don't start till later i wish i would have started at 16. i've always been this hustler i've always been had these ideas and the cool thing about starting sooner is when you start sooner if you fail nobody cares if i would have failed with a chicken restaurant at 15 I'm 15. You know, I ain't got no mortgage, no car insurance. I ain't got no wife, no kid, right? So it's like, if, even if I fail, who cares? Um, and those failures are going to set you up for success, man. So I just tell everybody, start sooner. And don't be afraid to start small. Don't don't be afraid to start small. Everybody wants to wants to be this big, big shot, and it don't work that way. You know, you got to go through the process and go through the steps. But if you never start, then you never, you never can get there. So I think this man, just no ego. None of that. Just grind, hard work. Start earlier. Start small. Start small if you have to. You can if you start bigger, great. And take risks and take risks sooner. And from parents or people who will have kids that are coming up, 
maybe you know you you it's too late for you or you don't want to do it but don't be no dream killer man let people's let, let people's ideas even if even if you know it's crazy hey you never know it might be crazy to you but it might be the exact idea we need to take it to another level so I've always been one of those persons where, you know, you tell me, no, you know, I'm going to come back and I can't wait to prove your ass wrong. But a lot of people don't have a lot of people don't have that type of willpower. And and especially if it's coming from a parent or a guardian, right. you can really you can really kill somebody's dream. Maybe they can tell somebody on the street, fuck off. I'm going to do it. But they can't tell their mama or daddy. Right. So if you're that mama or daddy, a person, man, don't don't kill that dream. If anything, facilitate it and help that person, especially if, if, it's, if they look like us, man. There it is, man. All right, man. Well, jumping off, MH, any uh, good to go? Nah, man. All right, man. Zach. I appreciate y'all's time, big dog. Thank you for everything, man. And like I say, just anybody here locally in Vegas, definitely swing by Kubani Dodd, 1885 uh, residency. Like I say, we're in 11 markets. We just launched Green Bay. We just launched Dallas. And we are getting ready to do our residency elite program for our customers, Um, you know, with different product offers, incentives, and giving back to those communities. And that's one thing that we try to do a residency apart from making people feel proud about their residency. Is, is in and we can't change the world you know we're not a charity but trying to give back in ways that we can that makes sense there right i mean I, I done bought jordan and supreme all my life and they ain't never did nothing in my hood right so <laughs> just trying to just trying to you know make an impact where we can i love it man all well, right hey i just want to give a special shout out i want to thank miss uh james schneider for definitely connecting us man it was definitely yeah uh, she's a big proponent of kind of rolling out here. So just want to give her love. I want to thank you, Zach, man, because there's so much we could get into, man. Yeah. We ain't talked about the worms. We ain't talked about health. Yeah. We nah. ain't talked about, there's so much. So we yeah, don't, I don't, mind, I don't mind coming back. We can do this whenever. There you go, man. We may have to do an update, man, and check in with you, man, because you do so much. And and I'm glad you talked about uh, what you do because we've seen it for just locally with the LV hats, what you've done for Darren Waller and, and, and donate to his. So, so thank you good again for our guests. Thank you to people for listening, man. I hope you enjoyed the show. Just know that we drop a new show every Thursday. Please, please subscribe, all right, because visual representation matters. So we're on YouTube. We're on everywhere that you can watch podcasts. So please stay safe, practice gratitude, and know we're rooting for you. Thank y'all. All us blacks, we got this sports and entertainment until we even. Assuming y'all rooting for everybody that's black. Uh-huh, yeah, sue me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black, yo, 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 sue me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black, spap out two racks on handmade new rags, sue me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black, that's everybody from sports to college class to rap and back.